0: 62 CP Bayonet Point. WTBN Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: Now that's how he begins. He puts a little doubt in your mind. God had said that, but he puts a doubt in your mind says, is that really true? it to God really said maybe you interpreted it wrong maybe you've taken his word a little bit too literal has God really said that that doesn't sound right has God really, so you begin to to doubt he puts a doubt in your mind if your mind's not girded with truth then you you buy that and he takes it a step further
0: have you ever seen money that was expertly forged With all the advances in computer and printing technologies, governments have been forced to add more security markings to their currency. And even with these added measures of protection, it can still be extremely difficult to know a forged bill when you see one. However, the method for identifying a forgery has not really changed over the years. People need only to compare the suspected currency to one that is known to be genuine. Occasionally, store owners may have their employees study a forgery that was recently circulated, but this is only done so that employees will know that a very good forgery exists and that the currency they receive needs to be examined carefully. No one really spends time memorizing the different forgeries because they can change so frequently. All that is needed is to have a very good knowledge of what a genuine bill should look like. And the more that people handle these genuine bills, the more easily they are able to identify a forged bill. Welcome to Verse by Verse, the radio program that is committed to declaring the whole counsel of God through the practical teaching of God's Word. Our teacher on the program is Pastor Steve Kreloff, pastor of the Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Lately on the broadcasts, we have been learning some valuable lessons from the book of Nehemiah. Today, Pastor Steve will continue his sermon from Nehemiah chapter 4, reminding us that we, like Nehemiah, need to be prepared for attacks on all sides. Satan and his followers constantly use lies and other subversive tactics to bring believers into the captivity of deceitful lusts and sins. So, what is our defense against these subtle sneak attacks? Above all, we need to have a firm grasp of God's truth so that we will not be so easily deceived and conquered by our enemy. Let's rejoin that study now as Pastor Steve explains this even further.
1: Sam Ballot and his colleagues were planning a surprise attack on the city of Jerusalem, on the people that were going to surround them. And verse 11 of chapter 4, of we turn back to Nehemiah, but we'll go back to Ephesians, so leave a bookmark there. It says this, verse 11, and our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. They said, we're going to have a surprise attack. We're going to come upon them when they don't expect it, and we're going to kill them. And so the people were very discouraged. Very discouraged. And that's what we looked at last week. How to be encouraged. How did Nehemiah encourage them? Well, he did encourage them. But what did they do to protect themselves? They're still left with the problem of of being protected. So they're encouraged in their hearts. They need to be protected physically. We're going to look at the lessons of this chapter and apply it spiritually. Because the principles are the same. We're going to look at three timeless principles on how to protect ourselves from the enemy's attack. Our enemy is not Ballot. Our enemy, though, is the devil. And actually, the enemy of the Jewish people was the devil, too, behind Ballot. So we're going to look at, if you're taking notes, three timeless principles about how to be protected from our enemy. We'll get as far as as we can. First of all, the first principle, timeless principle, transcends, uh, whether you're in the Old or New Testament era, the first timeless principle about being protected from an enemy is, number one, be prepared. Be prepared for the attack. Be prepared. Notice verse 15 as we get into our text. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, that is, the surprise attack was known to us. It wasn't a surprise anymore. That God had frustrated their plan. Then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. Sam Bowett and his colleagues were, were planning a surprise attack, but it's no longer a surprise attack when the people found out. God had frustrated their plans, and the Jewish people now were organized. We looked at this a little bit last week. They were organized for this attack. So they've taken their, their plot away. God frustrated their plan. So the Jewish people returned to the wall, this verse says, and they continued the work. So they must have stopped for a little while. Now they continued to rebuild. However, the working and the workers here did not continue like they had previous to the threat of attack. Something... Some things were changed. Verse 16. It came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Very wisely it says from that day on, from the day on that they returned, half the people, half of the workers uh, would work on the wall while the other half stood guard. So things had changed. Half were working, Half now were standing guard. And there were even some other precautions. Notice 17 and 18. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword, girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. Those who carried the materials carried it with with one hand and a weapon in the other. So there were some who just carried materials. And they carried it with one hand, they carried their weapons in the other. Then those who actually worked on the wall, the laborers on the wall, uh, worked with uh, both hands, but they wore their swords at their side. So things had changed. You see the principle here? The principle is they were prepared for an attack. And and here's what you want to get hold of. Even though the crisis may be over in your life, and there you know usually is a crisis, and then we kind of let down our guard. We need to be careful because even though the crisis may be over, that doesn't mean that you forget about the enemy because the devil hasn't forgotten about you. And he wants you to be left unguarded. So you need to be prepared. You need to be ready for an attack. And the question we want to ask is, how do I get ready for an attack? How do I how do I get prepared? Because you don't know where that evil day is coming. In fact, when you least expect it, that's when it usually hits. Well, now we need to turn to Ephesians 6 again, and we're going to spend some time here. Ephesians 6. Because in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us what those pieces of armor are. The protection that God offers is available. You have to avail yourselves of it. You have to wear it. And you have to get dressed for battle. Now keep in mind in context, this is very, I think it's very exciting. The apostle Paul wrote Ephesians from prison. He was in prison in Rome and he was chained to a Roman guard night and day. And there's a great picture of him. And I don't know if it was exactly like this, but uh, probably it's a great picture of him on one of the covers of Israel, my glory, sitting down with a long chain hooked to a Roman guard. And he's looking at that Roman guard writing down Now take on the full armor of God. And it uses the analogy of a Roman soldier and applies it to our spiritual armor. So it may very well have been that, that Paul was looking at this guard and, and uh, making an analogy. He certainly did make an inspired analogy, whether he was actually looking at the guard and then back to his paper, we don't know. But that's the analogy. He uses uh, what a Roman soldier would wear and say, hey, God has given you this for your protection, only it's spiritual truth. Now, if you have this protection, then when Satan attacks you on the evil day, you're going to stand. You're not going to fall spiritually. You're not going to be ineffective. And he's going to attack. He attacks through relationships. He attacks through doctrine. He attacks through doubt. He attacks through fears, through worries. I mean, on and on it goes. He attacks sometimes through self-righteousness, thinking you got it all together. But he attacks. And here's what you need to, to wear. You need to spiritually get dressed for battle. So let's look. There there are a number of things that you need to wear every morning when you get up. Don't just just dress physically. You need to dress spiritually. Verse 14, he says, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. But let's begin by looking at the first piece of armor that that you put on. Having girded your loins with truth. Now, we don't use language like that. Girded your loins with truth. We're talking about is a is a belt. The first thing that a Roman soldier did, and by the way, we have um, uh, complete tape messages on on this. So if you're interested in further study, just go to our tape room, and we have a whole series on spiritual warfare, dealing with uh, full messages on these individual aspects, and that's that's for for you. But what the first thing a Roman soldier would do when he got dressed is he'd make sure his belt was on because he had garments that that kind of flowed. And when you're in combat, you don't want garments flowing. So he would tuck those in with a belt. He would make sure that there's nothing loose hanging out there so that he wouldn't trip over everything or anything or be distracted. So he'd take that belt. And that's what Paul is talking about, a belt that that we are to wear. Only our belt is not physical. According to the Apostle Paul, our belt is the belt of truth. We're to take everything that might distract us, everything that might get in the way, and encircle it or girdle it. That's what it means to encircle. Girdle it, encircle it with truth. If you're going to be protected from Satan's assault, you must encircle yourself with the truth. And what is the truth? It is God's Word is God's word. Why is that so critical? Why is that the first thing that you do? Because Jesus said, and we know this, we know what Jesus said in John eight forty four. 44. He said, the devil is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He is a liar. And sometimes his lies have truth mixed in. So it's very deceitful. It's not something that's always obvious, but he is a liar and he aims at your minds. And I want you to look at Genesis chapter three to see this, because in his first dealings with humanity, he lied and he's been doing it ever since. Genesis chapter three is the story of lying to Eve. And uh, there's a great pattern there because he does the same things to us. Genesis chapter 3. He is the father of lies. He is the one who started it all and he continues it and he's the best in the business. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now that's how he begins. He puts a little doubt in your mind. God had said that. But he puts a doubt in your mind says, is that really true? Did God really say maybe you interpreted it wrong. Maybe you've taken his word a little bit too literal. Has God really said that? That doesn't sound right. Has God really- so you begin to to doubt. He puts a doubt in your mind. If your mind's not girded with truth, then you you buy that and he takes it a step further. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree uh, and the garden we may eat. But from the, tr- the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. So she answers back. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. Now from doubt, he goes to denying it. He said, Oh, God said that? I'm telling you it's not true. You won't die. God said you'll die spiritually. I'm telling you you won't die spiritually. And that's what God meant by that, not physically but spiritually. And so he he just outright denies it. From doubt he goes to deny. You surely will not die. Now the next thing he does, once he gets you to doubt the word and then he outright denies the word, then he substitutes his lie for the truth. And we see this in verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He substitutes the truth. In other words, God doesn't really have your best interests at heart. God is keeping something from you because he doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't. He's holding something back, so go ahead and do it if it feels good. Just do it. It's good for you. God wants to make your life miserable. That's the way God is. So just go ahead. If it looks good to you, if it feels right, then go ahead and do it. And that's exactly what happened because verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave it to her husband with her and he ate. And the rest of us have not only fallen with them, but we now also fall for Satan's lies. Because that's the pattern. He gets us to believe that we can be happy and fulfilled and content and satisfied if we do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. That is precisely what he feeds us in terms of lies. So we believe lies that destroy our marriages. Why stay married? You can be so much happier with someone else. He destroys our relationships. He destroys our homes. He destroys our church because we buy into his lies that the goal of life is to be happy rather than be holy. That's what he was really saying. One of the most difficult things that a a pastor has to to do and has to see is uh, people in his congregation who fall for Satan's lies and they refuse to let the word of God keep them from plunging into spiritual ruin. They really believe this stuff. They're going to go out and do what they want to do rather than what God's word says to do. And it is exactly satanic lies that they have fallen for. Now, how do you protect yourself? Obviously, you protect yourself from from your adversary by living and, and believing and applying the truth of the word of God. You take like a belt, you put it around you. You say, I'm not going to let any loose stuff floating around trip me up. I live by the word of God. That's what Jesus said to do. He said man shall live by what? Every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. And he said that to the devil, by the way. Man lives by the word of God. So when you get up in the morning, you make sure that your quiet time is not simply a time in the word and then I leave God behind. But you put that belt around you because um, Satan knows how vulnerable we are and uh, he's going to try to come come to you and um you're not going to hear voices or anything like that. We don't want to get mystical, but uh, he wants you to to doubt the word of God. He's going to deny the word of God to you. And he's going to substitute his lie. And the only thing that you have to protect yourself is the word of truth, not your not your own mind, because you start thinking and you start uh, uh, debating in your mind, you're going to fall. It's the word of God. That's what Jesus did. He said it is written he didn't start to think about it. And say, Well, that, that sounds, you know, it's not bad. Yeah, it is bad. You you have to take the word. The second piece of armour that we put on, not only the belt of truth, but notice in, in uh Ephesians chapter six, as we go back there, notice we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's a it's a breastplate of holiness. Righteousness. Just as a soldier was protected from his enemy's sword by a breastplate, so we are protected from Satan by a holy life. That's what he's talking about. A holy life is your protection. In other words, Satan looks for unrepented sin in your life to gain a footing, a moral lapse, a loose tongue, a bad temper, a bitter spirit. And when he sees an opening like that, he goes for the vital organs. That's why a soldier had a breastplate on, protected his vital organs. You get that those hit and you're gone. Well, there are spiritual organs of the heart, the stomach that uh, that we have, and Satan wants to penetrate. And and if he does, he's going to make you ineffective for the Lord. He obviously can't take away your salvation. That is secure. That is eternal. But it'll make you ineffective. You see, the best defense against the devil is godliness. Notice James chapter 4. James chapter four, James says a lot of people don't realize this in dealing with the devil. And there's, by the way, a lot of things out there that are just really flaky when it comes to uh, dealing with with Satan. A lot of things that go beyond the scriptures, a lot of things that people have incredible imaginations. They want to see Satan behind every bush and and every tree. And, you know, if you sneeze, you got the, the demon of, of a cold. The Bible doesn't teach that. But what it does teach is James chapter four, verse seven submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How do you resist the devil? The first thing you do is submit to God. You submit to God. That's why it says in verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double mind. In other words, get your life right with the Lord. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure that things are right in your life. And so I ask you that this morning. How is your prayer life? How is your time in the Word? How is your relationship with your spouse? Anything you need to uh, to go to them and say, please forgive me. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. And, and get it straightened out. How about attitudes? How about speech? Anything you've said lately that might be offensive to someone? Might be offensive to the Lord? How about uh, any any moral lapse? Any, anything? How about some unethical things in business? How about a lack of integrity? How about a lack of diligence, maybe laziness? You see, Satan looks for openings in that breastplate to reach your, your vital spiritual organs. And he'll use that. So you want holiness to rule. Are you under Jesus Christ's control? If not, you're fair game in one sense. Are you under his control? Are you yielded to the Lord and his word? If not, then you're you're just open to Satan. And he will find that opening. And he'll get in there. And he'll penetrate any opening you give him. So there is a day by day, moment by moment, checking in our lives, making sure that sin is confessed and dealt with. Because he will get in that opening and he'll make it bigger. The third piece of armor that God has provided for our protection is found in verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having first put on a belt and then... His breastplate, the Roman soldier would then bend down and put on his shoes. Now you might wonder, why his shoes? Why Why is that so important? Because proper footwear in battle meant stability in your footing, especially when hand-to-hand combat would come. You don't want to be slipping because you're re- wearing the wrong uh, shoes. You want something that's going to dig in and hold on to the ground, the earth, so that uh, you can stand firm in your fight with the enemy. You want stability. That's what he's talking about. Stability. So what kind of protection has God provided for us so that we would be stable? That we would be stable in our battles with Satan? We are to wear the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. Now, at first glance, it might seem that Paul is saying, uh, be at peace with everybody, and uh, then you won't have problems. Uh, That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. The shoes of peace means this. It is the truth that you and I, having come to faith in Jesus Christ, are at peace with God. It is an understanding that being justified by faith, as Paul says in Romans 5.1, we now have peace with God. Now, why is that so important for your stability? Because as we keep from slipping in the Christian life by an understanding that we are at peace with God, that God is not against us. God is not mad at us. We're at peace with him, and uh, therefore, when Satan accuses us of being too evil to really evidence salvation, we don't buy it, and we don't fall spiritually, and we're not all shaken when he comes to us and says, how do you really know you're saved? How do you really know that God cares about you? We understand that we're at peace with God. He's not against us. He's for us. You see, as an understanding of, of the word you're protected from thoughts like God is mad at me because I did this and I shouldn't have done this. And now God is just mad at me. And you see, and you buy that, you're going to be unstable in your spiritual life. Or he really doesn't love you like you think. He loves everybody else. He don't love you like you think he does because you're just not good enough. Well, that's ridiculous. But we, we buy that. We buy that and, and we're unstable. He's against you uh, he's annoyed at you. He's not going to bless you. Now that he's got your life, he's going to make it miserable. And uh, God is just going to do horrible things to you. And you can't have a good marriage because you did this in the past. You, you, God's getting back at you. and All of those things are Satan's lies. And the truth that you have to make sure you're wearing is this. I'm a child of God. I'm at peace with God. The war is over. God is not against me. I'm not against him. The war is over. I'm on his side, and I'm not going to listen to the condemnation anymore because I'm not condemned, and I don't have to to buy that. I have shoes that give me firm stability in the Christian life."
0: It seems pretty clear from God's Word that our most important preparation for spiritual attack is preparation in God's truth, whether it is truth about him, truth about us, or truth about our relationship with him, it is all important. We simply cannot stand against the devil if we do not firmly stand upon the things that God has taught us. We must not doubt the accuracy or the honesty of his communication with us. We thank you for joining us today on Verse by Verse, and we trust that our study from God's word has been a blessing. If you would like to find out more about the verse-by-verse ministry, or if you would like to partner with us through your prayers or financial gifts, please give us a call at 727-239-0306. You can also learn more about us by visiting our website. The address is www.versebyverseradio.org. Next time on Verse by Verse, we will learn what it means to be bombarded by...